You're listening to the Real Estate Runway podcast, powered by Quattro Capital, where we are all about alternative business and investment strategies to help you amplify life and maximize wealth. Here's your host, the recovering engineer turned multifamily investor, Chad Sutton. So check out a couple of these clips of Clayton Edwards Jr., a good friend of mine being on the show, and we'll get right into it after these. You have to be curious and you have to want to learn and you have to be teachable. You have to be coachable. We don't know how much time we've got on this earth. And so we got to be really intentional about how we're investing our time. I want to spend as much of my time as I can in these areas where I've been gifted because that's really what brings fulfillment and kind of gives you a sense of purpose, that kind of thing. All right, all right, all right. Real Estate Runway family, welcome to another episode of the Real Estate Runway podcast. Folks, this one's been a long time in the making. I am pleased to have on the show, dear friend of mine, fellow 1% Club member. If you remember the Tommy Newberry show we did, go back and check that out if you want to hear more about the 1% Club. And if you're watching me on video, you see I still don't know how to use these stupid Apple emojis. I just did a thumbs up and got one on video. So we're going to laugh through <laughs> that today. Here's another one on the other side. My friend, Clayton Edwards, Jr., owner and CEO of Kenco Residential. Clayton, welcome to the show, brother. How you doing? I'm doing wonderful today, Chad. Thanks for having me. It's a beautiful day in Atlanta, Georgia today, and I'm glad to be with you. Yeah, likewise. And, you know, it, it's about, in my mind, it's like eight o'clock in the morning. I just got back from Hawaii on a plane yesterday, had quite the experience. So if there's in the, if there's time in the end, yeah, right. Put the shock out. Right. There. If there's room in the end, I'll tell that story. But uh, anyway, let's get into you. I know you very well. I've known you for years, but tell the audience who you are real quick. You know, how did you come to be in real estate, find yourself in this? And and who is Clayton Edwards, you know, sure. junior? Obviously, there's others of you out there in the past. Yes, yeah. right. Yeah. No, I, I appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks for having me on today. I, I really value our, our friendship and I uh, look forward to our time together. Yeah. So Clayton Edwards, junior. So my dad is Clay. He's senior. And then I've got a little son, Clayton the third, who we actually called Tuck. So yeah, and the kind of the family business and multi-generational thing, that's something that's really important to us. Yeah. So we live in, live in Atlanta, Georgia, and I've got a lovely wife, Emily, and I've got three little kids, six, four, and two. I know you got a bunch of little ones running around and it's, oh, yeah. um, it's an exciting time, exciting time to be a parent and just watching their little, little minds and little bodies grow has been great. As I mentioned, I'm, I'm in a position where I'm in a third generation owner operator of a apartment business here in Atlanta called Kenco Residential and started by my granddad, Ken, back in the 1960s. My dad, and he was kind of the developer. My dad was a, very much an operator in property management. And my focus has been on acquisitions and asset management and, and more recently, how to implement a nonprofit model community development model into our business. Yeah, I, I feel passionate about Atlanta, family, workforce housing. I love it, man. And that kind of, you know, a man with your experience and, and your both life and business, that kind of leads us into the first topic I want to get into today because, you know, a lot of people listening to the show, we have about 50% passive investors and about 50%, you know, active entrepreneurial operators, right, of, of, of various asset classes. And so there's an element of, you know, now you've built it and you've got to pass it on. And, you, and you know, it's some, one day your later generation is going to be running it. You know, you had, uh, you know, kind of an interesting experience where you recapitalized the family business. And, and I don't even, I think I fully know the story, but I know sure. you're, you've kind of been through that. And I'd, I'd love to just kind of let you talk that story and, and let the audience pick up some nuggets on, you know, what is what does it look like when generation two or three, for example, 
you know, takes over and changes how the business is run. Sure. No, I appreciate that. And, you know, it was kind of growing up. I remember just around the dinner table growing up, my dad, Clay, I was in high school, that kind of thing. And he would talk about property management. And so that's kind of what I learned when I asked my daddy about his day. That's kind of what he learned about. And we, I learned a lot of lessons, you know, just lifetime lessons that way. The family part and kind of the legacy part is something that became important to me down the road. I'm the only son. So my dad's Clay and I'm Clay and I'm the only son. And of course, every dad's dream is to work with his son and teach him everything he knows. And I was fortunate to, to have had that opportunity after, let's see, this was after business school. This would have been 2012 is I moved back to Atlanta and I joined my dad in our family business. And at that point, it was multifamily property management and didn't really buy anything, didn't really sell anything. And my dad, you know, I kind of got to know the business and I was abstract up in property management and learning about that. And then I learned, okay, what about the ownership part? And so at the time, the owners were all of my aunts and uncles and different family members and that sort of thing, which I think can work well, except for the fact that we were in and like coming out of the Great Recession. And so we had workforce housing and we had sort of segmented ownership. And I said, hmm, you know, this is going to be a little bit of a challenge to work out because, you know, you know about the ownership thing. Do we sell? Do we recapitalize? Can we refinance? You know, what do we do? There were lots of cooks in the kitchen and lots of different opinions. Sure. So what yeah. we came together with was I, I went and this was, I mean, my first business challenge out of grad school was by far, you know, my most difficult one trying to figure out, okay, how do I figure out what all my aunts and uncles want to do in business? And also what does my dad want to do? And how can we facilitate? My primary goal was to, you know, to facilitate ownership into a third generation. That's something that was really important to me. So I went and I, and you just meet with each person and you say, Hey, you know, what are your goals? You know, here's kind of the business situation and the economic situation and what's going on at the property or with all these different properties, what are your goals? And you know, everybody had different goals and you try and figure out, you know, I felt kind of like a negotiator and you try to figure out, okay, how can we help everybody to achieve their goal in this scenario? But it was extraordinarily complex because oftentimes you're working through, it's not just business stuff. You've also got sort of emotional and relational challenges and things like that. Sometimes that go, you know, they might be a, a 50 year running type uh, relationship thing. So I just had to be real mindful of how do you navigate those sorts of things between the generations? The plan that we ended up coming up with was we took a, a handful of our properties and we ended up just selling them. Lots of, you know, kind of got to cash out of some deals. And then the other handful of properties, maybe a half dozen or so, we went through and we established a mechanism for valuation. And we went through and did a buy, you know, kind of did a, a buyout on each deal. And that's how I had to go figure out, you know, how do you raise capital? I didn't know anything. You know, how do you go, how do you go get a bank loan and how do you go find investors? And, you know, you're told no by a lot of banks and, and a lot of investors, but that's where, right? <laughs> yeah, that's how it goes. I love what you said there. It's like, not only, even if you just took this same situation, which I know a lot of syndicators out there will know is even if you did joint ventures on things and, and you just had several cooks in the kitchen with people who weren't family, that's one thing. Then you, you then add into the fact that, okay, these are blood relatives and, you know, you kind of have to see them whether you like it or not after this thing is over with, right, you had an right. extra level of, or to say pressure to do this amicably. Right. So is sure. that, was that the key to success? Was it, you know, was, because I, I heard you say 
you know, help each other and win-win and, and things like that a lot. So w- was it keeping everyone's emotional outcome in mind or like, how did you, how were you able to be successful with so many different voices, you know, in generating an outcome? What you know? pretty. It wasn't pretty. And also I'll, I'll give a, a lot of credit. My business partner, Doug Linneman, who Chad, you've met, he's been my right-hand man for 10 years. Unbelievably oh, yeah. gifted. gifted. I was guy. on the phone with him this morning, actually. I, I actually oh, view him as a mentor. He counsels me on some things as well. So Wonderful. <laughs> me, me too. Me too. And so <laughs> Doug played a key role. He was able to come in and he helped me kind of work through some of this. So I would say, absolutely. It's, it's hard to do some things that are um, relationally and financially complex like that. And something that's as illiquid as real estate. I think yeah. bringing in, I would just say, uh, whether you got a business partner or advisors or counselors, I think something like that's critical. And I'll kind of fast forward a little bit where we were able to work through it so that we sold a handful of the properties and kind of got cash. And then a handful of the other properties, I was able to facilitate a buyout, which included our property management company, which I ended up purchasing from my dad. So at the end of the day, we were able to facilitate a third generation of business ownership but without a lot of the challenges that come with having family owners kind of mixed into the deal. So I, I feel real fortunate to be in the position here today. Yeah, that, that, that's an incredible outcome that was achieved there. And so uh, folks, that's kind of, I mean, and every flavor of this will be different, but this is an example of how, you know, Clayton used a couple of tools at his disposal. The market was in a rebound at the time when this was going on. So, you know, valuations were starting to be favorable enough to sell. And, and mm-hmm. you know, so there was some cash out opportunities there, which put some money in the bank. And then also, you know, the, maybe some of the assets where leverage was on his side, he was able to leverage some buyouts, bring in some investors and kind of restructure the deal. So I guess the, the number one thing in my mind here, not the number one, but one thing is be mindful that, you know, buying and selling is not the only strategy. A, a recapitalization takes a lot of different forms. It can be you know, restructuring the capital stack, which y'all have heard me talk about tremendously, the debt, pref, and common equity. How do you play mixologist with that cocktail, you know, and, and get the outcomes you're looking for? So I, I love that, Clayton. And and I think the, the direction that I'd love to take here is you mentioned the word mentor and coach a few times in your conversation. And, you, you know, you, like me, are, are highly coached and highly mentored. You know, maybe talk a little bit about just when I say the word coach and mentor, you know, what does that mean to you? And you could pull anecdotes from what we just talked about or from your later life, but you know, how important is that? Sure. I think very important. And that's something that, you know, a shared interest that you and I have, and I think a shared value. What's really important to me, and this is just how God has gifted me, is my desire to seek wisdom and to seek wise counsel. I think you and I both, you have to be curious and you have to want to learn and you have to be teachable. You have to be coachable. You can't be as prideful, you know, a lot of sharp, you know, entrepreneurs or even sharp young entrepreneurs are super confident, super prideful, kind of think they know it all. And I think you've got to be of the mindset that there's, you know, I know a lot about a few couple little things, most everything I don't. And so what I've tried to do is really surround myself with coaches, advisors, mentors around the things that where I know that I need uh, help and guidance. It could be something like around transactions like your legal counsel and your tax counsel, or it could be something along the lines of, hey, I I need some help in my life around my fitness, or I'm wanting to pursue my marriage. Chad, you mentioned this 1% group that we're a part of where, you know, it helps really to encourage us as a whole man around 
family, around faith, around fitness. Yes, part of it's financial and career, but there's, I want to be a better husband. I'm going to be a better dad. And so I've found that surrounding myself with guys that are maybe a, a season or two older than I am that can kind of speak into us. They've got our best interest in mind and are like-minded. I love surrounding myself with those sorts of guys that can pour into me. Yeah, that I couldn't have said that better myself. And, and I think to add some more clarity, folks, you know, when I say the word coach and mentor, not every single one of those coaches and mentors is like a paid specialist, you know? So for example, right. in fitness, yeah, I go pay a trainer yeah, or I'll go to a group gym or something like that. But you heard me mention earlier, you know, Clayton's business partner, Doug, right? He and I have become friends and we will, you know, bounce ideas off of each other and often, you know, kind of co-coach each other. He knows things I don't being a, a management and business expert. And I know things he doesn't. Sometimes there's just the law of reciprocity there where you coach and mentor each other and don't realize it. Sometimes, you know, I can think of four or five names in our 1% group where, you know, they know the same stuff I do. They just have 20 years more experience doing it and they've, yeah. they've seen a few cycles. And so sometimes just perspective coach matters, you know. And I think also, you know, kind of along the lines of what you just mentioned, there can be an iron sharpens iron component yes. to it where, you know, I'm sitting down with you, Chad, and I kind of lay out, here's the fact pattern of the challenge that I'm seeing. It could be personal or professional. And you've got my best interest in mind. And so you share with me your perspective and I get an aha moment out of it. And I say, well, I hadn't really thought about it that way. You know, I take your suggestion under advisement and maybe there's some action steps associated with that. So I think you can also do, if you surround yourself with kind of, you know, sharp, like-minded peers, I think there's that opportunity as well. Yeah, that's incredible. And, and so, you know, Stepping from that a little bit, something I know that you're really passionate about is, is understanding your God-given gifts and how and where to apply them in life. So, you know, I'd love to hear your perspective on, you know, as you were kind of going through everything you've been through, how did you identify what your best gifts were and how to utilize them best in life, you know, in yeah. pursuit of this whole uh, faith, family, fitness, all the things, right? Yeah, no, it's a great question. And I think it was maybe 10 years or so ago that I, I first sort of began to understand that we each have, you know, different gifts. And then, and I was in a Bible study or something that started to talk about your spiritual gifts. And I said, that sounds weird. You know, what is that? And is that, you know, just preachers have spiritual gifts or kind of what is that? And so I did, you know, kind of one of these iron sharpens iron, like men's group studies about spiritual gifts. And I realized my, my first and strongest, most spiritual gift is pretty boring. It's administration. <laughs> so, and I already mentioned the one on wisdom, you know, seeking wisdom. And then the third is generosity. And so there's a couple different ways that you can, you know, I mean, there's online assessments and you can, you know, meet with folks that know you well, that can help you to identify what they are. But I think identifying what your gifts are, we all have a couple of them. Nobody's got all of them. But also nobody has zero. <laughs> nobody has zero. We, we all have a couple of them. And so once you identify it, and, and these are the things that when you're operating in this area, they make you come alive. I'll mention just the, the administration one, which sounds boring, you know, on the outset, but it's, I love organizing concepts and people and ideas around a common interest or, or around a common purpose. We come up with a goal that we have in mind that we want to accomplish. It could be personal or professional. And I love putting together a checklist. Hey, what would it take to accomplish this? And I just, I absolutely love that. And that makes me come alive. I love the kind of the, the wisdom thing we talked about, seeking wisdom, seeking wise counsel. The generosity one, I think you and I are both, are both passionate about our philanthropy and about our generosity. 
but it's not just being generous with wealth or dollars. I think it can, it's also about being generous with your time and with your talent. You know, we don't know how much time we've got on this earth. And so we got to be really intentional about how we're investing our time. And the way that I think about it is, okay, I want to spend as much of my time as I can in these areas where I've been gifted, because that's really what brings fulfillment and kind of gives you a sense of purpose, that kind of thing. Chad, what are your top areas of giftedness? If you don't mind me asking. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you've probably seen a couple of them. You know, so one of them that is more recently discovered, I think, is generosity, right? That, that one I have not known about my whole life, but it's like once you get to the point where you have, you develop a desire to give and, and that becomes more heavily when you can. I, I remember a time when I didn't have a lot. And so giving wasn't yeah. like I wanted to give, but like I couldn't fathom it because I needed to put food on the table, you know? So it was a different right. story. But I have a really interesting gift where I, I see things in numbers that others don't, right? And so when it comes yes. to structuring deals or, or, you know, acquiring an asset or something like that, I'm really good at almost manufacturing value, if that makes sense, right? That, sure. That's something yeah. I've, I've gotten good at. And, and I think the other thing is, is really, I, I kind of nerd out to building systems and processes. I'm the kind of guy who, if I have to bend over and pick up a $100 bill, I'm going to spend 1500 to figure out how to never have to pick it up again and just manufacture picking up money. You know, this is something that gets me excited. And, and I was joking with you a minute ago. I was literally just on a call with another strategic partner of mine where we are kind of co-creating an, an artificial intelligence backed CRM yeah. to help cultivate relationships and make people feel more important and stuff like that. So it's like, that's a system and process yeah. and I'm excited. It has nothing to do with real estate. I'm just excited about it because it's a machine I'm building, you know, so. And it's an area of giftedness. As you were talking, one thing came to mind. What I love doing is, and this is part of the mentoring thing, is I love helping guys, I'm 39, and I love helping guys that are, you know, maybe in their mid twenties or, or early thirties, but guys that are coming up behind us that are trying to learn about, you know, how do they get into a real estate investment career or how do they get into, you know, that sort of thing. And they don't really know what to do or where to start. You know, this is part of mentoring thing, but it's also kind of bringing structure to, they just have some ideas. There's one particular guy that I've developed my friendship with who he wants to get into real estate ownership and he wants to implement a mission driven component to it. Yeah. But it, it's vision and it's concepts and one way that I've been gifted, I say, okay, what does success look like? And let's pick like five areas that are like concrete and goals that you can achieve or milestones, you know, with your mission or with your vision in mind. And then I say, okay, what can we do? Who do you need to meet? What do you need to learn? You know, how can you kind of really put some like tangible things around the accomplishment? And then it helps some of these younger guys say, oh, okay, now it's, it's like taking it from being just a dream to being more of a goal when it has more tangible action steps. So that, that also kind of brings me great fulfillment, helping folks that are coming along. Yeah. And I'd echo that, dude. You're really good at, at transferring because you did this with me a little bit on, on certain things I was trying to tackle. You're really good at helping people ask the question instead of why can't I, it, it, it turns into how can I, because one of them keeps you stuck and the other generates a to-do list, right? Yes. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I love to-do lists. Love it. <laughs> <laughs> you love checking the box, man administration baby yeah that's right yeah administration there it is this episode is brought to you by agora's investment management solution are you a gp or syndicator still using spreadsheets or an outdated investment management platform advance to agora the next step in investment management evolution agora's customers raise capital 40 percent faster 
and reduce operational expenses by 25%. With Agora, you can collect commitments faster, raise more capital by creating beautifully designed data rooms, public brochures, and automated subscription flows. Manage all your investor relationships efficiently with the most advanced investor CRM on the market. Delight your investors with a beautifully designed investor portal, which is fully customized to fit your brand and integrate seamlessly into your website. Distribute payments in a click directly from the platform and automatically generate and send all the reports and statements your investors need. Agora is suited for all types and all sizes of GPs or syndicators, starting with an affordable $5.99 a month subscription plan. Click the link in the description to book a live demo and learn what Agora can do for your business. Agora, better investment management. And so, you know, something you said there, I mean, we, we both kind of have that common, you know, charity goal. And, and as, you know, as I mentioned earlier, you know, when, when I was forming the Quattro Giving Fund, I was in Clayton's ear a lot asking him questions because he's, you know, he has gone through forming a 501c3 and, and actually has a, you know, apartment ministry type of, of charity that is really cool in, in Atlanta. So I'm, I'm going to steal one of our Quattro questions, which is, you know, what is your philanthropic heart? Because I know what that is for you. And I want to kind of talk about it because it's a really cool example of not only how you can, you know, give financially, but also use the physical assets and the skill set that you have to make a positive impact, you know, on local communities and families with which you're responsible for their shelter. You yeah. know? So I'd love to just hear about, you know, Atlanta Connect communities a little bit and kind of what the thought behind it was and all that kind of stuff. Sure. I love what you said just about positive impact. And it's how do we positively impact the lives around us? You know, we, we kind of start with the circle of our family and then it's like, okay, what about the folks that we work with? And then I kind of thought a step further and I said, well, what about the folks that live in our apartment communities? And that's something, this would have been kind of during the COVID pandemic era where I said, you know, God really put something on my heart, which was, hey, we got a lot of folks that are living in apartments that are, you know, living in a pandemic can be super lonely and isolating. And so something that I felt strongly about was how do we use some of our properties to help get folks more connected and, and help them with kind of what they got going on. So as I started to brainstorm about it, I read a book and I brought a coach, you know, coach into the deal. One book that I recommend, I put this in the kind of some of the show notes, it's a book by Andy Stanley, it's called Visioneering. And I was reading this book at the time and it really put something on my heart. It challenged you to think about what, what really breaks your heart. And what was breaking my heart was this, you know, I live in Atlanta and it was the city divided where folks, we got this mental health epidemic and folks are living in isolation. And I said, okay, how can I leverage my platform to help get people connected and into community? So we launched a nonprofit. It's called Atlanta Connected Communities. I've got a great team, great executive director, Stephanie Johnson. We've got a community coordinator who lives on site at our property. And our goal is pretty simple. It's to cultivate Christ-centered communities and to help meet the needs of our Kinco staff and of our residents. And what does that look like? Well, what it looks like is at each apartment community, we want to have a community space where they can gather, certainly indoors, but indoors and outdoors where they can hang out and spend time together. And how we started off was when I thought about this thing, I said, okay, what do people need? And I said, well, you know, people really need to, they need to go to church or they need to, you know, read, you know, they need to do a devotional. I was, I was thinking about telling people what they need to do. And then, and then it's like, no, nobody wants to be told what to do. So we led with the needs assessment. And then you ask people, Hey, what do you need? 
you know, what do you need and how can we help? And what came out of that was, hey, we need help with childcare. We need help paying rent. We need help, you know, I need a better fitness solution. So there were a handful of things that came out of that, came out of the needs assessment. And then we just started experimenting, having some programming on site, kind of see what works. And, and over the last year, Chad, you'll love this, what's really kind of picked up and is anywhere you start, you give food. So community dinners have been hugely, hugely popular and that gets folks around a dinner table into community, talking with their neighbors, that kind of thing. And you're in an environment where you're building trust and building relationships. So the community dinner thing has gone great. We've got a bunch of single moms. We've had like a single mom support group and a single mom's book club. And then most recently, a kind of a spinoff of that has been, we call it homework club, but it's after school childcare. And so homework club, which is run by our community coordinator, Janaya, has been hugely successful and moms love it. The kids are, you know, showing up and starting to do better in school and those sorts of things. So those things have been hugely rewarding. And my goal in the whole thing is just to figure out what people need and sort of help them where they're at. And then over time, you, you earn the opportunity to talk about more in-depth things about their family, what was it like growing up, and what, did they go to church, and all that kind of thing. That's sort of the goal behind it. I love what you put together there. And, and it was such a cool, you know, thought leadership and blueprint when we were putting the Quattro Giving Fund together, which is, you know, yeah. a little more of a funding partner than we don't actually have the on-site ministry yet. That's a yet. And one day we will. But that is, sure. it's, it's super cool. And it's like, look, folks, you hear me talk about this so much on this show. If you own any sort of investment real estate or you're investing in any sort of investment real estate where there's a residential component, right? It's most important and paramount to remember that these are people that live in these boxes. These are families. You're not just buying a box that prints money and you can maximize how much money it prints by spending a little bit. You know, you have to be able to, to make the ROI choices that are consistent with what a good human would do, regardless of the ROI. And I'm telling you, the ROI that comes off of that, you can't always draw the line to connect the two, but you will create raving fans in the community. You will create people who want to be there, take pride in the area and bring their friends and don't ever leave. All those things, when they happen the That's other right. way, it costs money. And then further, when you get to the point where you can actually start to establish some sort of a ministry or just, you know, like I think I love what you said, living in a community that's managed by good humans where, you know, you actually are elevating the the people aspect of the business, right? So that's right. Um, yeah, I love it. And then my, my goal, I'll just mention this briefly. So the goal would be to expand apartment or Atlanta connected communities to our portfolio in Atlanta. And then beyond there, this is really scalable to, in, you know, to every apartment deal, you know, in America or where, you know, across the world. So I'm feeling that, you know, what I'd like to begin to do is to collaborate and influence other apartment owners that are like-minded and mission-driven and maybe do their own version of this and do their own, you know, all communities are different, right? And so, you know, here's how you do a needs assessment for your community and you ask them what they need and what they want. Here's how you meet the needs and here's how you communicate with them. And to your point, that builds huge loyalty, you know, huge loyalty with your, you know, with the folks that are living in your apartments. They love being there. They love their neighbors. Yeah, they'll stay there longer. And so turnover is absolutely going to be less, but it, you're able to kind of, live out. I mean, it's, it's really difficult or, or it can be, you know, in lots of careers to bring, you know, whether it's your purpose or your 
faith or whatever. It's, it can be difficult to bring that into the workplace, but this is one place that I've found that we're able to do it where it's just be really rewarding. I love that, Clayton. And and folks, you know, scroll down the sh- in the show notes, whether you're swiping on this on TikTok or, or LinkedIn or, or even on podcasts and YouTube, check in the show notes. We have the website to this organization. It's ATL dot, atlconnected.org, excuse me, but go down there if you're clicking pleasure. You know, reach out. If, if this sounds like you from an operator perspective and you'd like to explore this, I know from firsthand experience, Clayton would love to talk about it. And if this is an area that, that gets you excited that you might want to give to, you know, I, I just I think we just donated to the backpack drive, putting people back to school a few months ago. So it's super, super cool mission. And, and it's great Excellent. community. Yeah. And so, you know, we're running down low on time here. I know you've got other obligations to get to. Let's hit the remaining Quattro questions real quick. The first one being, Clayton, what is your superpower in life or business and how does it serve you well, man? Yeah, I appreciate that. You know, I think my superpower is, we hit on this a little bit earlier, but it's learning that you have unique gifts, identifying your gifts, and then putting together a plan for using your gifts in your life, personally and professionally. And doing that is just going to bring you extraordinary fulfillment because when you're operating in your area of giftedness, your memory is going to be better. You're going to be sharper. You're going to be passionate. You're going to love doing it. You know, you can do it. It's like you ask, what would you do all day, you know, without being paid? Once you've identified your area of giftedness, it's Chad, it's like what we call your genius, right? right. Once you identify your area of giftedness and your genius, it's basically what you're good at with what you're passionate about. You know, I don't know if it's a superpower. That's pretty a little bit strong, but I think that the ability to identify that and then operate in that space, it can be really rewarding. And then to the extent that you're able to figure out what cause or what is it that you are passionate about, it, it can be a nonprofit thing or, or something related and bringing that into your life. I think that just compounds and, and increases um, your level of fulfillment. That's incredible, Clayton. And now let, let's flip that card over, man. Let, let's talk about where's an area you failed miserably in life and, and what'd you learn from it? Sure. But any commercial real estate that was purchased in the last two or three years, you would look at it today and say, oh, I paid too much. <laughs> so, you know, what I've learned is, and we bought a handful of apartment communities, I guess, last year. So you'd say, okay, we paid peak market pricing and we paid too much and that kind of thing. What I've learned is the importance of you know, basis. And so it's, you know, you're kind of married to your basis. Your debt, you know, your debt can change over time, but you're married to your basis. And then also just the importance of how to capitalize things correctly. And Chad, you and I have talked a lot about this. And there's something to be said for, you know, fixed rate, long-term debt. And what we've seen recently is lots of the folks that have gotten into more floating rate or more short-term or more bridge, that can be problematic in when we're in a volatile capital market environment like we're in right now. And then I guess the other thing that I've learned is just the importance of conservative underwriting <laughs> and, and what we've seen, you know, on some of our apartment deals in Atlanta is like, well, the expenses that I underwrote two years ago, we've just seen huge, you know, expense inflation, everything from taxes to insurance to payroll to, you know, turnkey, we've just seen huge expense inflation. And it wasn't like the 3% that I underwrote. So, you know, kind of just being conservative in the way that you think about things and really paying attention to when you buy, you know, when you buy. And anyway, I'm going to address what you're asking me about. 
Oh, it really does, man. And it, it's interesting because I remember a time when 3% expense inflation was conservative, you know, you, you two was standard. Sure. And so it's, sure. it's, it's interesting because it's quite different now. And, and so, you know, sometimes you have to zig when others are zagging and sometimes you just have to tack your sails when the winds change. And so I think the importance of what Clayton's talking, the core <laughs> message I heard out of that is, you know, you, you've got to make sure that you have the margin and the time to survive the deal. And so short-term debt can be problematic because you may be making des decisions at a very bad time. And, you know, whatever you consider to be conservative underwriting, just having margin in your plan so that if, if the stars don't align, you know, you're, you can still survive and hold on. Right. Yeah. And I think, yeah, something you said jumped out at me, which is it's probably the importance of liquidity. And if you're, yeah. whether you're a syndicator or, you know, depending on what ownership position that you're in, whether you call it liquidity or access to capital or financial flexibility, the more you have, the better when your plan changes. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You know, having that margin. So last question, I think we were going to talk a little bit about a free gift you were going to offer to the audience as well, if you're listening to the show. One thing we put together, so that you, Chad, earlier you mentioned Doug Linneman, my business partner, something that he and I have put together just over the last six months or so we call it our playbook, but it's really, it's our acquisition strategy for this next cycle. The end of the cycle was last year. We are now into the next cycle. And so something that we put together, it basically outlines what have we been doing the last 10 years? What's the opportunity that we see? And then how are we going to execute on our acquisition strategy? And then the last part of it is how do we implement, you know, our version of community development ministry into our business model? So I included a, a link to that acquisition thesis in the show notes. Yeah. If you're interested in talking more about, it could be apartment investment or it could be the, you know, kind of the, the nonprofit side of things. I'm always happy to, and um, any friend of Chad's is a friend of mine. I just, I've really enjoyed our time together and I appreciate our friendship and um, I think really highly of you and Quattro as well. I'm a happy, I'm a happy investor. I'm a happy business partner. And I think we've got a, we've got a great relationship together, Chad. Yeah, I would agree, man. I, I so appreciate you coming on the show and sharing your heart, your mind, your soul, everything that goes with it, you know, and, and folks, that link will be in the show notes, just like his uh, recommendation of the Andy Stanley Visioneering book. Anything Andy Stanley has written, by the way, is, is gold. So I, I would encourage you to read all of his books if you're looking and you like his style of writing. But yeah, dude, thanks for coming on the show. And real quickly, if you want to reach out to Clayton, what is the best way to do that, Clayton? Sure. Yeah. Email is good. I don't know if you've got my email there. You can include that in the show notes as well. Yeah. So that would be Clayton at Kenco Apartments dot, was that com or org.com? Yeah. Okay. Clayton at Kenco Apartments com. It's perfect. Very good. So that'll be in the show notes as well, folks. Well, this has been another episode of the Real Estate Runway Podcast, folks. Clayton, thank you for coming on. Until next time, over and out. Thanks, Chad. Want to generate higher return and drive alpha for your commercial real estate firm? Now you can with Lobby CRE by 30 Capital. Lobby CRE is an asset management platform designed to manage and optimize cash flow for faster returns and more visibility into performance. Shift your strategy with the market, not because of it. Identify opportunities and mitigate risk now rather than later, and save more than eight hours per week through automation. Click the link in the show notes to learn more and book a demo. All right, folks, that's been the show today. If you got any value out of this, leave us that five-star review, thoughtful comment, wherever you're listening to this, just interact with the show. That way it gets to more people just like you. Pay it forward, and I'll see you next time. We hope this episode was insightful and brought value to your day. If so, please be awesome and leave us a five-star review. 
Find out how Team Quattro can help you at thequattroway.com. Until next time, this is the Real Estate Runway Podcast.